0: Good morning, eight minutes after five o'clock on this Halloween day, the day that we move our clocks back one hour, that is if we live in a state or an area that uh, observes the daylight saving time procedure that we go through twice a year. And uh, it looks like at the moment we have a dry day, I no rain in my rain gauge overnight, and right now the temperature is twenty eight degrees at my thermometer here in Huntley, Illinois. But good to have you with us. Uh, Max Armstrong will be joining us a little bit later. Mike Pearson will be joining us as well. And we're going to uh, sign off on the garden growing season for twenty twenty because today is the last day that we'll do our weekly visit with Jim Fazel, but he's You'll be here with some advice on what to do to wrap up the gardening season and, well, to start making plans for next year. As always, good to have you along as I look at my news machine this morning. uh, Some not-so-good news because the uh, coronavirus count keeps rising. And uh, the first headline I saw when I came in this morning The United States set a new all-time high for coronavirus cases confirmed in a single 24-hour period yesterday, reporting just over 100,000 new infections to surpass the record total of 91,000 posted a day earlier. The caseload of 102. Thousand two hundred thirty-three is also a world record for the global pandemic, surpassing the 97,894 cases reported by India on a single day in September. And then another weather headline. I mean, we've talked about hurricanes and uh, activity of that type here in the United States. But uh, this headline also this morning, The Philippines Orders Evacuation as World's Strongest 2020 Typhoon Approaches. That order came down from Philippine officials on Saturday as they ordered evacuation of uh, thousands of residents in the southern part of the main island of Luzon as a Category 5 storm that is the world's strongest this year approaches the Southeast Asian nation. Typhoon Goni. With 133 miles sustained winds and gusts of up to 164 miles per hour will make landfall on Sunday in the Philippines because they're a little bit ahead of us as the strongest typhoon to hit the Philippines since uh, the year of 2013 when a typhoon struck the Philippines that killed more than 6,300 people. That happened in November of 2013. So those are the two negative headlines I have for you this morning, and uh, I hope not yet a hurricane or a typhoon here in the Midwest as harvest continues to move along. This uh, day marks the last day of the the gardening year that Jim Fazell will be joining us to talk about what he knows most about and I think that all of us really when it comes to gardening and when it comes to lawns and trees and vegetable gardens and flower gardens and uh, we're going to check in with Jim for his uh, last visit of the growing season when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show WG Well, another season in the garden and the lawn and wherever else is coming to an end. Our final visit of this year. Well, no, maybe we'll have him back for the holiday season and talk Christmas trees. But anyway, Jim Fizzell, our specialist in ornamental horticulture, who shares his expertise with us every Saturday during the growing season. So you can start preparing for whatever you're going to do, Jim.
1: Well, you know it'll be uh it, it'll be different not getting up on uh Saturday morning for the Saturday morning show, but you know we we've, we've done this for a lot of years, and we get used to not doing anything for a while, but we're, it's it's always nice to get back,
0: you bet It really is, yes, and I know the first thing you're going to talk about is start your journal if you haven't already and get ready to put your tools away.
1: yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but actually, first, we're going to talk about getting the garden uh, finished up because you know, before you put your lawnmower away or, or winterize your snowblower, you've got to get all your chores done. It's Halloween already. It's hard to believe this season scooted along so fast. We've had a hard freeze, so it's time to begin finishing up. In fact, that hard freeze killed off a lot of stuff, so we have no excuse for not getting out and doing something. And the time changes tomorrow, which will put us – Uh, uh, in the dark in the afternoon while we're used to having late afternoon uh, light it's going to be dark by the time a lot of us get home from work so get out this morning and and before the trick-or-treaters start arriving and uh, head for your community farmers market or your roadside market or your pumpkin farm most are going to close after halloween still time to pick a pumpkin or to make a jack-o-lantern certainly time to make you need to stock up on items for storage while you're there. Apples, they're going to store for several weeks in a cool, humid place, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Incidentally, we stopped by Goldmix uh, earlier this week. Uh, they have a terrific supply of apples in small packages. We were really surprised to see them, but they've got a lot of varieties that we talk about on the air. But a lot of the farmer's markets and, and uh, roadside stands do have those things. Of course, they have the pumpkins and the waters, uh, winter squash and those are things that you can cure and store all winter with the dry onions and potatoes. But also when you're out there, you need to pick up stuff for finishing up your garden, like the straw, for mulching in your perennials or your strawberries. Uh, pick up bird seed while you're there, too. Firewood. Those of us who have fireplaces, sometimes it's the last thing we think about doing, but you're going to need fire, firewood uh, to have that first fire when we get a really chilly evening. Now, out in the garden... You want to finish pulling the spent annuals and vegetables, especially the things that that, uh, were killed off by the frost. Uh, Actually, before you pull your tomato plants, one of the things we always do, and we did that this week, pull the tomato plants out, but we harvested all of the blemish-free, ripe green tomatoes to be ripening indoors and actually re-ripen those on this plant stand that we have in the basement that I start the seedlings with in the morning. You don't have to turn the lights on on that, but that's a good place to put the tomatoes. You can sort them out, uh, the, the ripest ones at one end, and, and, uh, and watch them ripen and use them as, as you can. That might take two or three weeks for some of them to ripen, but if it's not too hot or not too wet and, uh, and these things are not blemished, they're going to ripen up very nicely for you. Keep the broccoli, the cabbage, cauliflower, and so forth in the garden. Uh, That will not have frozen, and it doesn't really uh, take – it takes quite a bit of frost or quite a hard freeze to kill those off. So they're going to stand the frost, and they're going to get sweeter and sweeter. And we've actually cut broccoli up till almost Christmas on a mild – when we've had a mild – uh, late extending fall. Uh, mulch in the root crops or dig and heal them in boxes of sand. This would be car- carrots and parsnips. They too get sweeter with the cold. Cut back your perennials. Uh, I noticed our goldfinches are gone, so we are going to be—we did, in fact, cut back most of the echinacea on which they feed at this time of the year. By the way, you know, we're still waiting for the sandhill cranes to go by. Maybe they know something we don't. Maybe <laughs> fall is going to be extended. In fact, I know the weather forecasts say that next week is going to be warm. Anyway, with your perennials, did you label them? Before you cut them back, be sure you get your labels out there so, so you know next spring, if you decide to move something where it is, add the tops to your compost pile. Plant the last of your spring flowering bulbs. You don't want to leave them unplanted over the winter. They'll grow if you plant them next year, but they're not going to flower. Uh, Keep the lawn mowed as long as it's growing. Keep the leaves raked up or shredded. Uh, You want to apply winterizer fertilizer if you have not done so. This has high potassium to harden the grass off so it'll stand the winter. And if you had... Uh, snow mold problems in the past. Put down fungicide to to protect the grass from that, uh, which develops in the cold weather of the winter. Uh, install install rodent control over your around your trees and shrubs, particularly for rabbits. Um, you want to put uh, wire around your trees, especially young trees. If we have a lot of snow, the rabbits are going to climb up on it. They're going to get to the bark on your tree. That's what they'll feed on. That can kill a tree. Uh, Mouse damage can be, can be uh, severe too. Pull the mulch away from the bases of your trees and shrubs to keep the mice from making a nest in there because that's right next to their food supply with deer and i know a lot of people have trouble with deer i don't know of anything that will actually prevent them but cages and sometime we need to talk about that and we can't do that now it's too late in the year to do that but that will protect your things like ewes they'd love to eat ewes Uh, install the snow fences between your lawn and your sidewalk where the salt is going to get thrown up by your snowblower Uh, You can put burlap screens up. These work, just tie them on a two-by-two and and stick these down along the sidewalk so that the snows and uh, uh, the salt that's in it don't ruin your grass. Uh, Bundle and tie up your evergreens, particularly the ones that tend to fall over uh, if we have heavy snow. If you tie them up and bundle them with burlap, they have plenty of air that gets into them. They have some sunlight to keep them from turning yellow, and it protects them both from the wind and the snow and the sun. Collect your garden tools. Wash off the mud. You want to sharpen the things like the hose and the shovels and the spades that kind of get kind of dull at this time of year. Uh, that's a good indoor chore. Maybe you want to put off sharpening them until you get until you get all the other outdoor, outdoor stuff done. Um, you want to wipe the metal parts with an oily rag after you've gotten them cleaned off. Uh, check for needed repairs, the worn or cracked handles in particular. Uh, I didn't do that this spring, and I pulled out an old... Garden rake that I haven't used for quite a while, and I managed to get myself a nice splinter. Uh, You don't need to do that. Check the the handles now. Uh, That's another wintertime chore. You can get these handles um, at many of the hardware stores or big box shops and do that replacing during the winter. And make a list of the garden tools that need replacement. That's something that happens periodically. Some of them last a long time. Some of them don't, particularly if you didn't get them hung up and they drove over the handle on your parking your car in the garage. Uh, some of those uh, tools are on sale right now as these uh, stores are trying to reduce their inventory. Now, if you, if you don't have a storage rack to hang these things up, you want to make one. That's a good time to do that. It doesn't take long to do it. It's very simple. If you have an unfinished garage, you can slap up a couple of, of boards uh, on the studs, uh, get them up high enough so that the, that the tools hang so the, the handles don't hit the ground. Uh, they have all kinds of hooks and so forth that you can buy at your, at your hardware stores that the tools can hang on. That's a neat way to hang them, to keep them out of the way so that you don't run over them and they're there where you want them when you look for them next spring. Uh, drain your ro- and roll up your hoses. Uh, store them where they won't freeze. If you drain them, you can keep them outdoors. If you don't drain them, you're going to need to keep them in a place where, they, where the temperatures stay above freezing. One thing you need to do, if we have a wide open winter with no snow cover and, and uh, very little rain, uh, you may need the garden hoses to get out and water things like some of the evergreens that are under overhangs. Uh, new tr- newly planted trees and shrubs, they may need water during the wintertime. Collect all of the chemicals, put them in a protected spot where they won't freeze. If you don't have one, build a storage cabinet in the basement for them. And you want to discard any of the old packages that have outdated labels. Uh, you can check the label to find out how it, it is, how, what the proper disposal process is. And you can also check with your community for hazardous waste collection days. Don't just put these things in the garbage if you can avoid that. After the last mowing, winterize your mower. Run it out of gas, or add winterizer. Uh, Clean it off. Get the clippings and everything off of them so they look nice. That means they'll be in good shape for next year. Uh, You want to remove the spark plug, squirt some oil in the cylinder, install a new plug, and turn it over so that the that the uh, cylinders and the rings and so forth are all and the bearings are all nicely oiled for the winter. If you have a rotary, sharpen it. Um, If you have Um, a four-cycle, probably a good idea to drain and refill the crankcase. They want to replace all the filters. Then it will be ready for next year when you need it. And while you're in in the mood to work with these kinds of equipment, check out your snowblower. If you didn't service it last spring, do so now before you really need it, and then start it up to make sure it's going to run on that day when you've got three inches of snow out there, and all of a sudden you decide you need the snowblower. If you know it's going to run, that'll make life a lot simpler for you. Also, locate and check out all your snow shovels. Uh, order firewood for your fireplace. I mentioned that before when you stop at the garden center. If you don't do that, order it. There are a lot of places around that will deliver it and stack it for you. Set up your bird feeders to use that seed that you just bought. Then take a walk around your property. You need to check the condition of everything. Make sure that uh, everything is where you were in the condition that you need it so it will survive the winter. And, as you mentioned, Dorian, make your final entries in the garden journal what worked, what didn't work, what you need to move what uh, uh what you need to divide and so forth, so that'll be ready for you in spring. Uh, I have a garden journal that goes back uh thirty or forty years or garden journals Now uh, these are just ring binders and and uh, I just have the date at the top and the chores that needed to be done or were done uh listing by date and so forth on that page. And you just keep them from year to year. You can go back and look at these things, find out what you did, and make sure that you don't make the same mistakes over again five years down the line. Last thing I like to do before it gets nasty outside is put up the holiday decorations, the lights on the trees and shrubs out in front of the house. In late November you'll be glad you did it when the temperatures were still mild you don 't need to turn them on until the day after Thanksgiving when most of our communities begin their, begin their holiday festivities. Uh, then retire indoors, build yourself a fire with that nice new firewood that you got. Have a piece of that pumpkin or apple pie from those apples or pumpkins that you got. Uh, read a gardening book you know I, I wrote a bunch of gardening books years and years ago they 're mostly out of date, but the, most of the information in them is still good if you can find any of them and I just noticed in the mail the catalogs are also arriving already. Hard to believe. Uh, when you do all these choices, you're going to be comfortable knowing your garden is ready for whatever winter brings. You know, Orion, I really enjoy these weekly visits. We talked about it a minute ago. I want to thank you for making them impossible. And, you know, Bob Ferguson, our engineer, you know, he's got an awful job. He connects you and me wherever we are in the country, and we get on the air every right. Saturday morning just right. And I want to thank him for that. And I want to thank you folks out there for listening. It's always, it's always a joy to talk to you that have been listening to the program. So look for us to return uh, on the Saturday Morning Farm Show when the crocuses are in bloom. And in the meantime, have a terrific winter and God bless.
0: And if you do everything that Jim suggested you should be doing now, spring and planting time will be here before you know it. Absolutely. So thank you, Jim for sharing your expertise and talking about things all of us should do to enjoy the outdoors and the flowers and the lawns and the gardens. And uh, you and Jane have a great holiday season, and we'll talk to you next year. You bet. Best you and Gloria, too. Okay, Jim Fizzell, our specialist in ornamental horticulture, here on the Saturday Morning Show. It is 29, 25 minutes before 6 o'clock here on the Saturday morning show. My temperature on the backyard thermometer on my patio is 29 degrees, so it's a crisp kind of a morning. My son David, who loves to play golf, probably will decide to wait till a little bit later in the day when it warms up, gets a little more comfortable. Right now, we say welcome to Samuelson Says. I'm Orion, and this week, I want to add another word to the list of unpopular words I shared with you last week.
2: The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. They're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, they're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Illinois Army National Guard, aired by the Illinois Broadcasters Association and this station.
0: This week, I would like to add a word to the list I shared with you a week ago. The list of words that I'm getting very tired of saying and hearing, and maybe you are as well. And the word this week is virtual. Let me tell you why I'm adding that to our list of words I don't like to say. In January of next year, the American Farm Bureau is going to hold its 102nd annual convention. But my, it will be a different meeting. You probably won't be there, but you will be able to watch it from your farm, home, or ranch because it will be virtual. So let me quote Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval and share with you what he had to say about it. He said the San Diego Convention Center has been temporarily converted to a homeless shelter and will continue to be as the pandemic lingers. While we are all disappointed not to be able to gather in person, the safety of the Farm Bureau family comes first. And President Duval went on to say, I will miss seeing all of you face to face more than I can say. But I'm excited to share some of what we have in store for this special convention that you'll be attending at home. Holding our annual convention online gives us the unique opportunity to open the doors to the entire Farm Bureau family, our friends and neighbors with free, let me repeat that, free registration. The words of Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval. one way or another, we will see you at the 2021 American Farm Bureau Convention that will be held virtually in San Diego. The dates are January 9 through 13 of 2021. And a couple of other major farm conventions that have been Term to be virtual next year. We have the National Cattlemen's and Beef Association. That will be a virtual convention. And Commodity Classic will be a virtual convention. So stay in touch with your organizations to be kept up to date on the dates and the times and the numbers for getting it on your TV set. That's Samuelson Says. A presentation of Nexstar Media Group. It is 21 minutes before 6 o'clock here on the Saturday Morning Show. Good to have you along. And uh, I hope that many of you will be able to put away the grain carts and the combines by Thanksgiving Day. I know that's always a target for putting things away for the crop year and making plans for next year. But uh, I hope the season of harvest will continue without interruption and that it will be a safe harvest we talk a lot about safety on the farm and ranch because those occupations are dangerous farming and ranching particularly if you let down your guard or if you get a little bit sleepy when you're in that combine cab so we like to talk about safety as much as we can But we also talk markets, and for our markets, uh, we turn to our friend Mike Pearson and his guests who dropped by to share their thoughts with us here on the Saturday Morning Show.
2: Today, we are joined by Joe Camp. Joe is the director of managed programs over at Comstock Investments. And Joe, we got to start talking about this week. We saw a big midweek correction in both corn and soybeans. Has the rally come to an end?
3: It was a big dip, a correction starting for the grains here this past week. But it had been a big rally, too. So not totally unexpected that we would see some relaxing some settling down of what had become volatile markets but volatile to the upside in a good way we run into some resistance technically Also, some natural selling that comes with harvest. And at the end of the day, we know there's extra risk creeping into the market. We can see that in outside financials, particularly as we lead into this next week's election.
2: Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is a big week. There is a lot of massive national and international news events on the horizon. All of these things could impact grain pricing for growers who maybe want to take a little risk off the table with their corn crop, Joe what advice do you have with harvest underway and the election really coming upon us
3: we haven't faulted anybody for wanting to make sales here given the recent strength in the market it hasn't just been board strength it's been cash basis values. We've seen the spreads tighten up and the market's saying we're going to incentivize you to sell now as opposed to carry. So for selling, that can be a good thing. But we can also protect our position uh, maybe by buying put options. We are of the mindset that we need to take on uh, some protection of our short-term risk, but ultimately still uh, have some optimism that we can be set up for longer-term upside potential. So a little bit bearish short term, I'd say, or at least covering our vulnerable risk points in the short term but shaping up, hopefully, for some better times ahead longer term. Well,
2: looking at the longer term picture, we still have a huge South American growing season coming ahead of us. We obviously have the election. We still have covid going on as growers are looking for 21 crop pricing. Has this rally afforded some opportunity to get some of that uh, grain priced?
3: In part, yes, in part, no, in part, yes, because it's been a general run up in futures and we're looking at values we haven't seen for several months, including for the deferred contract. So if we're starting uh, to extend some coverage, if we haven't already taken a stab at a new crop forward looking uh, for corn or soybeans, I think there's opportunity in that. But no, because longer term, we still think there's going to be better values. And again, the curve structure saying We're not incentivizing you to sell ahead into next year's crop at this point. The premium's in the front. So generally, we are going to manage our risk and practice diversification, make some small sales early on. uh, But we are holding out for some better prices for those new crops as a rule.
2: All right. So looking at re-ownership then on bushels that have been sold here at Harvest
3: Time. That's right. We think there can be some value in re-ownership strategies that would look ahead into those deferred futures months.
2: Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the wheat market. We have seen substantial dryness both domestically here in the U.S. and in Russia and parts of the former Soviet Union. What's happening with wheat
3: Wheat prices have been rising sharply, over $6 futures in the Chicago market recently. It's been a big run-up to the upside because of what you've mentioned in the dry conditions, not only abroad, particularly abroad in terms of the Black Sea growing region, Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Some showers recently, so not as big of a storyline. And the same could be said for the U.S. domestic wheat crop winter planning's mostly all wrapped up and uh, seeing some emergence maybe some disappointing starts uh, for quality but going into the winter not a big concern here it'll be about the forward looking weather in the next couple of months
2: that makes a lot of sense you, you mentioned the trouble that they're seeing over there in russia and the former soviet union of course we know china has seen substantial issues with uh, with weather this year as well when we think about the export picture joe that has really been one of the driving factors in this market this past week we saw export inspections of corn pretty well in line with analyst expectations and soybeans. Do you think we are going to continue this hot export pace going forward?
3: Yeah, important to make that distinction and look at those export inspections, what's actually being shipped out of the country. And if you look at those numbers, it's, well, a little bit better than average. You could probably say as for uh, the pace, what's really been solid is the export sales. And we hope that both will continue commitments rising. Uh, As uh, deals are made in in currently favorable currency terms for the U.S., by the way, and with the U.S. still having uh, the most considerable supply at this time of the year before the next South American crop, we are seeing good business, but we need to see those sales continue to translate into shipments. I expect that we will because there is a very strong natural demand. Coming out of particularly China at the moment, no matter the trade deal uh, or anything else, it's uh, certainly benefiting U.S. exporters and something, again, that I believe will continue.
2: Yeah, it certainly appears as though China needs the grain. And now I want to bring the focus back to domestic issues, Joe. We're seeing a wa- rising increase of coronavirus cases across the country. The last time we saw this happen, we saw meatpacking plants shut down, created a lot of risk in the cattle feeding sector. Is that something you think growers need to keep an eye on this fall?
3: That's, again, a, a very big concern for our cattle producers, our ag industry as a whole, the fact that we're going to see likely further shutdowns globally and here in the U.S. if corona cases continue to rise at their current rates, uh, there's a lot that will hang on the balance of these upcoming uh, elections, upcoming policy. But at the end of the day, we would take a page from what we saw in the previous spring and expect that unfortunately we'll have meat demand here curbed in the time Uh, of the next several months. Luckily, we just saw a report showing uh, inventories of meats, both beef and pork, at low levels. So that should help. The demand is out there. Joe, thanks for chatting with us this week.
0: And indeed, they do a good job of serving folks who stop by the uh, Ishtenala Supper Club. We've been there many times, driving back and forth to the Kickapoo Valley because it's a favorite stop with good food and a good view. So uh, hope you'll do that. I also want to say happy anniversary to our friends at Blaine's Farm and Fleet where Christmas has already started with Toyland, which has become an annual tradition at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. So thank you for that. Well, I've talked about virtual conventions, and probably one of the biggest changes that we're going to see in 2021 is the NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Association. They normally meet in the uh, end of January or early February. But get this, the Cattle Industry Convention and Trade Show in 2021 will be held August 10 through 12, and uh, San Antonio, Texas, or I should say uh, Opryland Resort and Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee will be the site of it. but. There will be more people watching from their homes on television as they go virtual on the Cattlemen's Convention. Again, the 123rd anniversary of the National Cattlemen's Association Convention, August 10-12 of 2021. Twenty-nine degrees, and uh, another convention that's going virtual is our convention, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Uh, Max Armstrong, who has served as president of that association for a year, a few years ago, joins us now to talk about the 2020 convention of the NAFB. Max?
4: Joining us is the president of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting with RFD Illinois, Rita Fraser, and also the executive director of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, Tom Brand. First of all, this has been a different week because of no FFA convention that you would normally attend Tom, this is really a disruption for you, isn't it? After so many years of being on the premises,
5: this would have been my 35th FFA convention altogether and my 31st working in the newsroom at National Convention. I started as an intern there in college and then became a farm broadcaster and, and kept going back and working with those interns. So, yeah, it's it's a little different this year, not not being together with all those blue jackets in one spot.
4: You trained many of those young communicators, as I recall, helping them get the FFA story out there. I was looking over the list of the stars, Tom and Rita, and uh, my goodness, we have two from the same state this year. I think two of the FFA stars are from Oklahoma, if I recall.
5: Oklahoma's always had a strong showing, so that's uh,
4: that's uh, you know pretty consistent with what they've done in the past, too. There was also one from North Dakota and one from Nebraska, I believe, as we looked over the list. But the schedule's been a little bit different this year, for sure, for the FFA, hasn't it?
5: It has. I've, I've uh, had a chance to tune into some of their online virtual convention they've had this year and noticed that they split the American FFA degree ceremonies up um, amongst uh, two different nights. Um, I know that the national officer announcement is, is, uh, has already come and, and uh, you know, we would typically not get that until, uh, until a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. So neat to see how they've adapted with that change.
4: Rita, it must have been disappointing to FFA members who would usually go to the convention in Indianapolis, even though it's not a a long trip. It's always a wonderful experience uh, for them to go from Illinois, isn't it? It
6: it sure is. And, you know, Tom and I talked about this referencing the NAFB convention. But for those FFAers missing those giant hugs from people across the country, that has to be something they're missing.
4: Well, yeah, it's the same for NAFB this year. It'll be a virtual meeting that we'll have for our association next month, but uh, the business will go on, uh, as I understand, Rita.
6: Yes, and Tom has done, and staff has done such a great job on getting our national sponsors in. And the way it looks, Tom can explain a little bit more, but the way it looks, we're not going to miss a beat on getting the very latest news and information from sponsors, companies across the country.
5: The, that I'd say that's been one of the things that's given us a different twist in our convention is the fact that we're not confined to just a certain number of meeting rooms or space in a, in a hotel property. But now we've, we've got the opportunity to do a lot more newsmaker sessions as well as professional improvement. And our trade show that we do each year, Trade Talk, um, actually has, a, has a, a really strong participation. So that's good to see, too.
4: These are companies in many instances and associations of uh, farmers uh, that come to tell their story, and there's always that face-to-face contact with uh, the microphone there, but those folks will still be participating in in some way, right, Tom?
5: Yeah, you know, we've got a virtual platform set up where we can actually have a trade show that has multiple people in the booth, and just like that, the uh, booth might be set up in Kansas City. When it comes time to do an interview, you can step to the side in another breakout room online, Do that interview, both audio and video, then return back into the booth and and visit with everyone that's there and maybe pick up another interview uh, or three.
4: One thing I've noticed, Rita, in this year of pandemic, you and your colleagues have found other ways to communicate uh, and once again embracing all of the technology and utilizing the skills that farm broadcasters bring to the table.
6: Oh, it's so true. And, you know, I have to ask forgiveness to our IT team back at uh, the Farm Bureau building because, you know, they were always wanting us to incorporate a lot more of this technology. This year we were forced to do it. So we're very thankful (laughs) that we're able to do things just like we're doing right now.
4: Are you working from your home most of the time, Rita?
6: Yes, at this point, uh, and it has been an adjustment. You haven't heard uh, my dog or my daughter this morning, but but they're in the background. Uh,
4: there are those challenges. Uh, Tom, I've noticed some of the members get together sometimes. Uh, they have a little powwow in the afternoon, uh, NAFB members joining together to exchange ideas and, uh, and once again, to link socially as best they can in these times of pandemic.
5: You know, we did that early on whenever uh, things began to go into more of a shutdown mode and and uh, the association organized several of those calls with, uh, with other uh, members over a Zoom um, connection that we, we did weekly. Now I'm tickled to see that there have been others that have continued with that tradition on their own since then. So I'm glad we're able to make uh, connections with one another um, here during these times where we're not able to get together and, and share that big hug or handshake.
4: Here here are the last half minute, uh, harvest in your state went quickly, as I understand, Rita. Farmers, uh, many of them have cleaned up the combine and put it away in the shed already.
6: Yeah, that, that is for sure. We, we lived through some of those field fires that you saw and reported on yourself. And yes, I think everyone is going to be very, very happy here at the end of the month as we close out October.
4: Tom, I know you're in western Missouri, some of the growers there having uh, the best yields in years, we hear.
5: It's been really an outstanding year. Haven't had nearly as many weather struggles this year as what we've seen in previous years, that's for sure.
4: Thanks for joining us, both of you. Tom Brandt, Executive Director of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, and Rita Fraser, President of NAFB this year. We sure appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Max. Thank you. And we certainly appreciate Max Armstrong, who uh, chimed in with the NAFB, the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, that will be meeting virtually in Kansas City. Oh, and one more big change going to virtual next year Commodity Classic. So, uh, Again, my advice to uh, farmers and ranchers across the country, if you have an annual meeting or a special event coming up next week or next year, stay in touch with the organization to make sure that it will take place. Well, that's about our time here on the Saturday morning show. As always, we thank Bob Ferguson, who Jim talked about earlier this morning, for uh, putting it all together because, as Jim mentioned, we work from different places during the pandemic. But it's always great to have Bob with us to make sure that the right buttons are pushed because I probably don't remember anymore. And finally, thanks to you for listening Every week here on the Saturday Morning Show.